Would you take your scriptures? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll be reading the entire chapter. Would you give ear to the reading of God's word? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bethany, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not yet seen, you love. Though you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what are searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through though those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in our fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, 
We come before you because we know you're the all-wise one. You're the creator of all things. We come to learn from you. You have told us that the man who pleases you, to him you give wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. You've also warned us the sinner will do nothing but store up his wealth to be given to those who love you. You have shown us how meaningless such a life is, how it is nothing but a chasing after the wind. Open our hearts to learn from you. Grant us the strength to take that wisdom and apply to every area of our lives that we might serve you as our Lord. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now there is nothing more important to a believer, or at least there should be nothing more important to the believer, than the Word of God. God's Word is our standard. It's what we trust in. It is the revelation of all God wanted us to know, wanted us to understand about Him and about His plan of redemption. It is in His, it is in His Word that we learn of our sin. We learn of our need of a Savior and that Jesus Christ is that Savior. It is through His Word that we learn how we can live our lives in order to please Him. Without his word, we would be totally blind. It would be a blindness beyond compare. We would have absolutely no spiritual knowledge whatsoever. Therefore, all believers would understand how important the word of God is in their lives. Peter, in these next verses, addresses for his readers the way in which their salvation has come to them at least the understanding of their salvation. Paul tells you in Romans 10, verses 14 through 15a, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they're sent? The clear implication is this: in this is that you cannot know you cannot believe Christ until you have heard the word of God. You must clearly hear its declaration that God sent Christ from the heavens to redeem his people from their sins. Christianity is a religion of the ear in which you are required to think. You must hear and you must understand the gospel. This is not exclusive to your work. This work is guided by the divine work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Peter wants his readers to know where this message he preaches to them comes from. He wants them to understand the warrant behind his words. Having spoken to them of the divine work of God in salvation, that it is God the Father who calls them, God the Son who secures their forgiveness of their sins, and God the Holy Spirit who holds them and brings them into mature believers. Peter goes on to declare his purpose in writing. His purpose in writing this is that they might grow under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit in the grace and truth. Peter establishes as believers in Jesus Christ. They should and will grow in this new birth 
They have been given through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says it is an inheritance. It is so valuable that it has to be kept in heaven for you where corruption cannot come in and destroy it until the day Jesus Christ appears where it will be given to you in all of its glory. He makes it very plain. This salvation is by grace through faith and that your faith is shielded by God's power. That even through you, even though you go through such trials and times of suffering, this faith is not going to let you down because it is a gift given by God. It is a gift that never, never stops giving. It is constantly producing in your life love for Christ and joy beyond understanding. Isn't that wonderful? That's just an absolutely amazing thing. At this point, Peter stops to make sure they know that this is not just his words, but the eternal words of God himself. Peter looks into the Old Testament. He shows how the prophets of old make a a diligent search for these truths. He then shows the particular matters for which they searched. Last, he shows the success of their search. Peter's whole point is to make sure you understand. It has from the very beginning been God's plan. He is the revealing himself and his whole only begotten son through his word. He's showing you everything you need to have a relationship with him. He is revealing himself and his only begotten son through his word. He does this to show his people that their salvation is to be found in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. One of the most amazing things I find about Scripture is the clarity with which it teaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. It gives to us, in the simplest terms, such as you are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. It is for this very reason that the reformers of the 16th century taught that we were what we call the perspicuity of Scripture. What is meant by perspicuity is that anyone, anyone who is led by the Holy Spirit can then read and understand the gospel because of its great clarity. Yes, they acknowledge that there are passages that are very difficult to understand. Nevertheless, the gospel itself is always clear. It's always easy for anyone who has the Holy Spirit in their hearts to understand. Verse 10. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. First thing this tells us is that the Old Testament taught this wonderful gospel message. It also tells us that those who were given this revelation, they had to work hard for it. They searched intently and with great care to know and understand the message God was giving them through the writings. What did these prophets of old find in their search? They found that there was coming a great time of light, grace, and comfort. That this time was coming upon God's people. 
This caused their heart's desire to see and know more about this time when the gospel would be made so clear, so clear that every child of God would know it and would love it. They searched with diligence to know all that they could about this coming time. The words used here that refer to the searching are very strong words. They allude to a miner, a miner who digs in the earth. He digs down, he goes through the earth and through the rock to find the ore he searches for. This enhances for us the understanding of how badly these prophets wanted to know this truth. They wanted to know so badly that they were ever diligent in studying God's word, searching for, for every little tidbit of information about this coming Messiah. Here I think we can see something very interesting. These men were receiving from God his divinely inspired revelation. They had the ministry of the Holy Spirit upon them as they received his word. Yet, even with the Holy Spirit, even with the inspiration of God the Father, they were still required to employ the means of ordinary men to understand the words they were given. Daniel's a good example of this. In Daniel 9, 2, we we're told that Daniel, told by Daniel that he learned about the times of the Lord from his study of the book of Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah lived only a little while before Daniel did. And Daniel is going back and studying Jeremiah's writings. He's studying them to learn. Please hear and understand what this means. If you want to grow in your knowledge of God, and his wonderful plan of redemption. Now this is application. You must come to the scriptures. And you must come with an open heart. You must pray and ask guidance by the Holy Spirit. But now. But know this. The Holy Spirit does not give to you. Without your first putting in the effort to learn. You must exercise the powers. God has given you to study. Knowing that the, the Holy Spirit was sent to help you understand. He was sent to be your guide. He was sent to be your teacher. Not to be some magic genie. To make you learn without you having to put in any effort. He doesn't open up your brain and drop it in. It's got to come in through your study, through your heart. Anyone who would be knowledgeable about this great marvelous salvation and the grace and mercy that accompanied it, they must look into the scriptures and make a diligent effort of its truth. Consider if it were necessary for the prophets and apostles to search and study to know these things. Well, how much more important is it for the poor and weak-minded people of our sinful day to do the same? The day in which we live is the greatest. It's the most wonderful of all times. Now, somebody might want to question me on that, but be patient. We have the complete revelation of God. We're lacking nothing. He's given everything to us. This means no man has any excuse. Here in this book, we call the Bible, is the full understanding of God's great plan of redemption. It is given to the whole world. It is free and without charge. You can take God's word into your hands and read its wonderful truths for yourself. The grace that has come down to us in this book excels any and everything else ever given.
this gospel dispensation in which we live far exceeds any other dispensation that has preceded it. It has more glorious light, more intelligible information, more extensive knowledge, and most importantly, more effectual wisdom. Please hear these words. Take your Bibles. Open them. Read. Study to show yourself approved before a holy God. You of all people have no excuse because you have heard his word and have the resources for studying it on your own. Please make a diligent and intense search of the scriptures. For it's the only way you're going to learn about the plan of God, this plan of redemption. In verse 11, Peter tells us what they wanted. They searched. They were searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ was, who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. These men, these men knew, they knew a Messiah was coming. But they didn't know when he was to appear. They didn't understand what circumstances it would be in. Therefore, they were searching for the how and the when of his coming. There is much in the revelation given these prophets about these events. Isaiah prophesied about Christ's birth in Isaiah 7, then again in verse 9 and verse 11, or chapter 9 and chapter 11. He also gave much information about Christ's ministry in chapters 11, 35, and 61. He also spoke of Christ's suffering and death in 52 and 53. Micah predicted Christ's birth would be in Bethlehem in Micah 5. All of these prophecies were made under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit. These men had to stop. They had to study their own writings as well as the writings of others to get a picture of what was coming. The Old Testament has the gospel message hidden in it. It was not clear to them, but was there to be found and understood by those who wanted to search for it. What was the main subject of their interest? It was Jesus Christ. They wanted to understand what he was coming to do and how he was going to accomplish it. Many of the Jews in Jesus' day had a very wrong picture of what this Messiah was coming to do. The popular idea was he was going to come riding on a great white charger and go out and raise an army to go and defeat Rome. What these men found as they searched the scriptures was a picture of one who was coming in humiliation. He would, through his suffering and death, deliver his people from their sin and bondage. They would have found that it was through this coming Messiah that men would be freed from a spiritual bondage, not a physical tyranny. Because this coming one was to be the very son of God, his kingdom will not be of this world. It would be a new kingdom founded in heaven where those who place their trust in Christ and him alone would be justified by his works and given a place at his side for eternity. Because of what they learned about the one who was to come, these men also wanted to know when this was going to take place. These men wanted with all their hearts to see this great day of deliverance.
They searched. They searched with great diligence for any information hidden within the pages of Scripture for some hint as to when this time would come. They sought to find out in the circumstances of these times, would it be a time of peace or war? Please note, they were not trying to take the events of their day and make them fit what the Scripture said. They were searching the Scriptures to know what would happen. In our day, too many study the current events and try to make them fit Scripture. This is just a wrong approach. It won't work. Consider Christ's admonition to his disciples in Acts 1, 6 and 8, 6 through 8. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times nor seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What we find here is that the disciples had, had still had some misconceptions about the coming kingdom. They were still expecting Christ to set up an earthly kingdom. He does not address their misunderstanding, but redirects their thinking. He says, it's not for you to be concerned with times and dates set by the Father. In other words, don't you go out there and get bogged down in speculations about the end of the world. That's not for us to do. Wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Take the power he gives you and go do the work God has called you to do. What is that work? Being his witness. This is different from what the prophets were doing. They looked to understand the times and dates. But the most important event in the history of mankind, it's already come. And you can look back to it. The Holy Spirit has been given you. He was given you to teach you not about the time of Christ's second coming, but about the truths of his first coming open to his people. Do not waste your time trying to figure out the times and dates set by God's authority. Set your hearts on learning the truths of what he has done to save your soul so that you can go out and tell others about it. Look at what Peter says in verse 11. They were being pointed to. This is from the NIV. Circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. This Spirit of Christ, you understand, that's the, that's the Holy Spirit. He was pointing them through his predictions to the suffering and glories that would be revealed through the work of Christ by his perfect life, his atoning death, and his resurrection victory. If the Spirit was pointing them to this, can't you see how much more he is calling us to live in, the, in Christ's works and be witnesses of those works? Please keep your focus on the work of Christ, just as the, these men kept their focus on the predictions of his works. It was only through diligence 
and staying focused on what the scriptures were revealing, that they were successful in their search. Verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. It was revealed to them. God revealed it to them. Where do we find such revelations today? We find them in the pages of the Old Testament. We find we re- remember the Old Testament has the gospel of Christ hidden within its books, chapters, and verses. Paul tells us how to understand the Old Testament scriptures. Romans 15, 4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Now this goes along with Peter's verse 12. The Old Testament lays the foundation for the new. The prophets of old understood this, so they studied those prophecies to learn of this great work God was planning to save his people. In the scripture, we find examples of what was revealed to them. Numbers 24, 17. Here we find Balaam giving giving his fourth oracle in which he says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Is that not pretty clear? This is a clear prophecy of the coming of Christ given by a false prophet under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses tells the Israelites, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. In Acts 2.32, at Pentecost, Peter quotes from Psalm 16, where David speaks of Christ's resurrection and using this prophecy declares, This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Isn't that amazing? All the way back in Deuteronomy. Again, Peter, in preaching after he had healed a crippled man, uses Deuteronomy 18.15 and makes this application from it in Acts 3.24. Yes, all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. Again, all the way back to Deuteronomy. These men from the Old Testament came to understand They were working for you. They were working for all of us. Those who would live in the age of grace. They understood there was nothing self-serving in their work. It had a much larger purpose. It was to deliver to all ages the message of hope found in this one they saw coming, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says, To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us, They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The Old Testament. Given in the Old Testament are these wonderful truths. The things given in the Old Testament to these men are the truths now being preached by men under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. These are the truths that work in the hearts and lives of men. 
those called by God to save their souls and change their lives, molding them in the image of Jesus Christ. This has been the message of this wonderful gospel from the time Genesis was written in Genesis 3.15 when he said that the seed of the woman would defeat the works of Satan. Peter makes it very clear. Without these truths, without an understanding of the basic truths given through Jesus Christ, there would be no salvation. Without the work of the Holy Spirit coming and applying these truths into your, in your heart and life, there could be no sanctification. We serve a sovereign God. He is in control of every aspect of this world. It is his work in the hearts of spiritually dead men that allows for those men to see and hear the wonderful truths of salvation. It is God's continued work in the hearts of all who are called to mold them into his children and make them into witnesses of his grace and mercy. Understand, we have one job. That's to simply take the word that God has given to us and made alive in our hearts and go out and tell it to others. We're not worried about when the worlds go in. If it ends tomorrow, that's all right. If it's another 2,000 years, that's all right. What we're called to do is stand up and declare the truth that we have learned from Scripture. It's his sovereign protection and watch care over his word. He's going to protect it. He's going to take care of it over the centuries. This gives us the knowledge we need to grow in our understanding of this salvation. Also to be partners with him in this life of faith. He has so graciously given us in Jesus Christ. But please, note, it is not men alone who desire to search these truths out and understand them. I find this to be absolutely amazing. Peter ends verse 12 with this, things which angels desire to look into. This, the angels, these created beings confirmed in their righteousness, always beholding the face of God, desire to know the things taught in these scriptures. Why? Why would the angels need to know these things? The Bible, these scriptures, are the revelation of God. These are the important truths, both in Old and New Testaments. All who serve the true and living God need to understand these truths in order to fully know and understand their God. The angels need this information if they're going to continue to grow. Peter adds this to place greater weight on the importance of the scripture. On the importance of the place from which he is deriving this message. Please, get it straight in your thinking here. The word of our Lord, of our God, is the most important resource you have to understand your own condition before God. So you can recognize the work of God on your behalf and the expectation of God for your life. You cannot grow in the joy of salvation and, in, and the peace and that accompanies it without a love and appreciation of this Bible. This is the living word of our sovereign God. It is an extension of his very soul and it carries with it the perfect picture of him. It shows his sovereign work in creation, in salvation, in sanctification, in the glorification of his people. Now Peter kind of takes the time out in these verses to establish 
the importance of the source of his gospel. It's a lesson you should take to heart. The triune God has sovereignly prepared his people. He gave through the Father new hearts, new spirits, new guides to lead them into the maturing of their character. The Holy Spirit has come to do his divine work of sanctification in your heart. He does this to bring you into obedience to all of God's commands. The Son has completed his work through his perfect life, atoning death, and resurrection victory. He also brings you to completion through his sprinkled blood. You are justified. You are given the righteousness you could never attain on your own. But that's not the end of the sovereign God's work. He continues his work through his word, causing all who hear to grow in faith and maturity, making them into the image of his son. You cannot call yourself a believer until you are given a new heart and new spirit and have the Holy Spirit living within your heart. Then you will not fail to acknowledge your sin, your need of a Savior, and that Jesus Christ is the only possible Savior. You will then begin to experience the wonderful work of God's Spirit as your life is transformed by His sanctifying grace. You will come to understand you are saved by the sovereign grace of God. You're sanctified by the same grace, and your ultimate glorification will be by that same grace. All you need to do, all you need to do to know that this work is begun in your life is to call out to Jesus Christ and seek and search his word to know that all who are his will be saved. This is the warrant of Peter's message. Believe on Jesus and be saved. Don't believe and die without hope. Let us pray. Father, we come thanking you for this glorious gift of a new heart, a flesh. We thank you for the promises that come with this new heart. We're filled with wonder and gratitude for the marvelous gift of your Holy Spirit living in our new heart. We could never know a more powerful expression of the eternal hope of your gospel. You have made it clear to your children that we are ourselves your very temple and that your spirit lives in us. What an overwhelming privilege and honor you have given us. Help us to live our lives to show that honor. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.